A bizarre alien sighting in the middle of nowhere forces us to ask the question, wouldn't it suck to be stuck on planet Earth? And then finally we travel to Brazil to take a look at a terrifying story of a family that's under assault from a violent poltergeist. What does this evil spirit want with the family? It turns out the answer to that question is more horrifying than you could ever imagine. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garbiner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world doing all your stuff. Someone who I know always has fun, more fun than anyone else. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our longtime Patreon supporters. Everyone, give it up for Garrett Rice. Woohoo! Yeah, come on into Dead Rabbit Command. He's walking on in. You can already tell this is the funnest dude ever. Garrett, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. That's fine too. It really is. I don't just say that. Just help spread the word about the show. That is another way you can really help the show grow. Garrett, let's go ahead and toss you a little engineer's outfit, a little wooden whistle. Hop on board the Carboner Caboose. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Chug, chug, chug us all the way out to Brazil. Going down the mighty railway. You all know the one railway that leads from the Pacific Northwest straight to Brazil. We're actually doing a Brazil twofer. Two different stories in Brazil. Let's start off in the country of Brazil. Specifically, we're headed to Boa Vista do Tupum in Brazil. So what this story is, is one night, August 16th, the night of August 16th in Boa Vista do Tupum, a group of people saw a short man standing there, just kind of standing in a field, right? He's three feet tall, wearing a tight-fitting green coverall. He's just standing out in the field with his arms raised up to the sky. He's staring off into space, his arms held up high. He was also wearing a transparent helmet, and he had this circle on the chest of his coveralls that was glowing. So there's this little three-foot guy just standing there. And his arms are outstretched to the heavens. He's looking up into the night sky and his arms are just reaching out. A wide embrace, staring into the darkness of the universe. Now that's the whole story. That's the whole story. He doesn't do anything. He's not chasing around with tentacles. He doesn't put someone in a wheelbarrow and push him down a hill. He's just standing there. Staring off into the universe. <laughs> Jason, this could clearly just be a tiny three-foot guy. Maybe. But most three-feet people don't have a little glowing chest on them. Don't have a little glowing disc. Now, one or two of them might. But still, if they did, <laughs> would they be staring into space? Huh, you skeptic? That's the whole story. Yeah, he doesn't have tentacles. He doesn't have laser beam or anything like that. But I do find this story in- interesting. I love the visual of it. Like, when I first read this story, I found it on ThinkAboutItDocs.com, one of my favorite websites. And they got it from a group called GEPUC Brazil, which is a UFO investigation group. The imagery struck me, 
right? Of this little guy standing out there just reaching out into the vastness of space. And I thought, that dude's boned. I thought, that little guy got left behind. And he's looking out and he's like, oh, he's like, come back, come back. He knows there's no way they can see him, right? It, despite their advanced technology, he's he they're gone. He's not walking onto a UFO. He's not surrounded by a bunch of other three-foot-tall people with lit-up chests. They're gone. Now it's possible, I guess you could I guess this is an optimist story, right? Optimist, pessimist. You could think, well, maybe maybe he knows that his space brothers are coming down. And he's like, here I am, people. Here I am. And he has his arms reached out in a sense of joy. But you could also be like, his arms are reached out. And he's like, oh, man. Because he's now been left behind on planet Earth. I mean, you can decide. I'm generally an optimist. But when I read this, I go, he's, he is just like defeated in a sense. Because And we've talked about this on past episodes. I'll see if I can find those episodes for the show notes. We haven't talked about it a lot. But I imagine for being an alien, getting stuck on Earth would be a punishment. Like, if it was accidental, it would be a sucky punishment. But I could see them honestly doing this on purpose to people they just don't like. Other aliens, other members of their crew they don't like. Because Earth... I Listen, man, I'm Earth first all the way, baby. I love the planet Earth. But on a galactic scale, we're totally backwater. And we hate, we hate other humans who are slightly different than ourselves. So imagine if you were an alien stuck on this planet. You know the best case scenario is you're in hiding for the rest of your life. And you can totally stay out of everyone's view. Like, you're eating chickens, stealing them out of farms, maybe fashioning some sort of shelter super far away from civilization. The next best scenario is you get spotted a couple times and people think you're a cryptid, but for the most part, people don't think you exist, so they're not act- actively looking for you. Every other scenario is literally the worst-case scenario. People know that you're real and they're trying to hunt you and kill you. They're trying to take you to some sort of government laboratory where they can interrogate and then kill you. They're trying to do autopsies on you and then keep you as long as long as they can. What is it? Vivisection when they're still alive, right? Do a vivisection and then kill you. Like, it would be a bad place to be caught. So your best case scenario is you're just living on the lamb from 7 billion people, right? It would be horrific because there is no scenario where you make it more than a couple months if you don't completely stay out of the cities. If you're on some government's radar or even some rancher's radar, you're boned. You're going to get a shotgun to the face at best. At that point, your your best case scenario is you're still in someone's chicken and they blast you with a shotgun. And then photos of you end up on the Daily Star and people go, fake, that's totally fake. Worst case scenario is you get captured by the government and they do the vivisection, right? They're keeping you alive as long as they can and torturing you and stuff like that. It'd be horrific. It'd be an absolutely horrific thing. So imagine what must be going through this dude's head, right? Like he's standing out there and he realizes he is... Because you... how? I mean, unless he had some sort of communication device or something like that, he may not even be able to rendezvous with his people. They might have left him there on purpose. They might have done this on purpose. It wouldn't be the equivalent of being like, let's say you were a, a Spaniard, right? During the age of exploration, 
and you got lost somewhere in South America. Just yourself. A conquistador in South America, that would be preferable to this dude. Because at the end of the day, sure, you may take a couple arrows to the chest and die. But there was a chance, though, that you could find a tribe that was starting to um, ally themselves with the Spanish Empire against another larger tribe. Uh, empire, really. Tribe's not the right word if we're talking about like the Aztecs or something like that. You could possibly like meet a hot girl, have a couple babies, hang out, be the chieftain's right-hand man. You have all of this technology and stuff like that. You could probably make a bit of a life for yourself. And you would always, even if you were left behind by your squadron, of conquistadors moving through, there's always a chance you could, it'd be slight, right? You would have to know where the next galleon was coming with all of these troops and stuff. There's a bigger chance of you just stay along the coastline right and look for the giant ships. This guy's stuck on Earth. There's no, there's beautiful women on Earth, right? But he's not banging none of them. He's a alien, dude. All of his experiments have been taking women aboard ships and like injecting them with all sort of baby-making DNA fluids. I don't know if his equipment even works, right? He can't go to the nightclub and be like picking up chicks. He's three feet tall wearing a green coverall with a little luminous chest. I don't think it would work. Like you they would they would the bouncer wouldn't even let you in. You're obviously an alien. You're obviously a little alien, bro. You got on this big old space helmet, and I'm sure maybe he could go get a tux and then just look like a normal, like short man. But it wouldn't work. He would be coming in at a disadvantage, again, unless he had a space laser, and then the, the second he pulled that out on the bouncer, the government's coming in. It would be terrible. It wouldn't be the equivalent of being a explorer left behind in South America, or, or you're leading an expedition through the North Pole, and you get lost. Well, you're just dead then. I mean, you can only eat so much penguin before the polar bears get you, but what a horrible tragedy and i i would assume because we can parallel what we've gone through to what alien life I, there's so many parallels right we question what are what is the alien experience is it interdimensional is it extraterrestrial i.e coming from other planets there's so many parallels though between what we do and what they do that there's some you can draw some conclusions right and one of them would be we've had expeditions on earth go south not literally, not trying to find a way around South America, but they've gone poorly. So you can imagine, even with the most advanced technology, and this is a big part of UFOlogy, ships crash, people get caught, people get left behind, aliens set up bases here, and then they just get wiped out by humans, things like that. So you would have those parallels, and you would have those people who are left behind on these intergalactic expeditions and it's not like, well, I'll see what I can do. I'll try to make a good life here. No, it's like I have to spend every waking moment staying away from people. Otherwise, I'm going to end up dissected. I'm going to have, I went from being in this suit, because even like the Spanish Empire, right? They're just like had armor. They had armor and horses. That was like their high technology. You went from armor and having a horse to you're going to South America. It's still a pretty chill life down there, right? You got tons of food. You got tons of water. You got this hot chieftain daughter that you're kicking it with. This alien guy went from a world of like hyperdimensional travel, holodecks, laser beams that could disintegrate your enemy. And now he's fashioning a spear in the darkness as he hears people rummaging through the woods looking for him. 
Like you would go to instant, like the it would it would be the worst. It would be the worst downgrade in technology. A Spaniard in South America, they're like, ah, you know, things are just a bit different here. It wouldn't have been that big of a drop. You're talking about a race that has cured all diseases. So now this little dude is getting bit by mosquitoes. He's like, what's a mosquito? I didn't even know these things existed. It would be awful. It would be awful to be left behind. So I don't know what this guy's plans were. He could have been here. He could have been part of a scouting party to take over the planet. We shouldn't feel sorry for him. Maybe he was awaiting his space brother's return, right? Maybe he was happy to see them coming back, and he was. it was just like a, a short away mission. Or this little dude back in 1995 got left behind, and he was holding his hands up in despair, knowing he would never again grace the night sky at the helm of a starship. Instead, he would spend the rest of his life smashing two coconuts together, hoping to get a single drink of milk. And then he gets devoured by a wolf. A unfitting end for any traveler, human or alien. Garrett, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving one part of Brazil. We're gonna we're still gonna be in Brazil this episode. We're leaving behind this field in Brazil. We're waving goodbye to that guy. We're leaving behind this part of Brazil. Take us all the way out to Jabotacabal, Brazil. <laughs> The year is 1965, and we're in the town of Jabo Tacabal, Brazil. Jabo Tacabal, probably closer. I don't think either is accurate, but close enough. 1965, Jabo Tacabal, Brazil. We're at the Ferraria home, the Ferraria family. Now, we don't have a real idea of how this family was, you know. Before these events, they could have been a real peaceful family. They could have been sitting around the dinner table, eating soup and eat cornbread and stuff like that, talking about their days. It could have been a chaotic family. We don't know. But however their life was before these events, eventually cut. One day, things got out of hand. A rock materializes out of nowhere and lands right on the floor of the house. And they're like, what? Where'd that come from? Everyone's kind of looking around. That's weird. That's a once-in-a-lifetime event, though, right? A rock materializing out of nothing and hitting the ground. Happens to every family, at least once. What happens, though, is that this isn't a once-in-a-lifetime event. It almost becomes a once-an-hour event. These stones begin to materialize out of nowhere and begin flying around the house. Smashing into walls, destroying property, pictures, and vases. They have these rocks flying around. Bricks as well. You'd see a solid brick just appear out of nowhere, fly across the living room, and knock over a lamp. And this goes on for a couple days before finally they're like, okay, the novelty is totally worn off. It's completely destroying our lives and our property. So the Ferraria family contacts a priest... He comes out, he comes out in full body armor, he's all dodging rocks, and he goes, tell you what, I'm going to perform an exorcism on the house. I believe an evil spirit has taken over the home. And he performs an exorcism, and then he's like, I'm out. I'm out before I know whether or not this worked. And it didn't work. In fact, it made the phenomenon worse. So now you had more rocks flying around, bigger rocks flying around. One of them was over eight pounds. Listen, if I came home one day and pebbles were flying around my house, that'd be pretty cool, right? 
dirt, right? <laughs> my apartment's so dirty anyways. It's so dirty. Just like literal dirt. Like all the clothes are picked up. There's no food stuff laying around, but there's like dirt in my apartment somehow. Anyways, there's a little dust devil floating around in my house. I would just like close my eyes and be fine with it. Boulders, eight pound rocks flying through my house. Uh-uh, you can't do that. And some of the, they, so I read a couple articles on this and some of them specified that some of the rocks were magnetic. And I thought, okay, that doesn't make it any worse or better. I mean, it's kind of a cool novelty, right? ICP's like, oh, we don't believe this part. These rocks, some of them are magnetic. What does that have to do with anything? They're appearing out of nowhere. That's the bizarre part. Not like they're like, did you know that this rock is Ignatius? I was like, it doesn't matter. It's coming out of nowhere. I don't care where it came from on the planet. Some of these rocks are magnetic. They're flying around the house. I guess it would be funny, though, if you were like, carrying your car keys. You're like, time to go to work. And then a magnetic rock flew by and your keys stuck to them. And then it dematerializes. You're like, ah, my car keys. Okay, so I understand why they, why they listed magnetic rocks. But anyways, then almost as soon as it started, the phenomenon stops. The rocks stop materializing and pelting the family and all of their property. There is a brief moment of peace, right? They think it's all over. These rocks aren't flying around anymore. Then whatever is causing this then begins to pick up pieces of their furniture, whole couches and chairs, and fling them against the wall. So now all of the stuff that survived the initial barrage of these rocks, they now are being lifted up. You're like sitting on the couch. It's all flying around. And you're like, woohoo. You're like riding like a rodeo bull. Now this goes on for a long time. The entire phenomenon from the very first rock materializing to when it ends we're talking about five years this was going on. What a chaotic place to live in. And again, if they are already a chaotic family, it's just adding to it. And if they were like a peaceful family, like the Leave it to Beaver people, you can't even try to have a normal household when all this stuff is going on. And the, all this whole story takes place in the span of five years. Here's one of the things, though. But here's really the main thing. What the family realized that most of this activity centered on their daughter, an 11-year-old girl known as Maria Jose Ferreria. This is super common in poltergeist lore. Most of the time when we look at poltergeist activity, it is tied to a preteen to teenage girl. And there is the theory that all of the emotional turmoil they're going through, all of their hormones and everything like that, for whatever reason, this is something that parapsychology has been trying to figure out for decades, 100 years at this point. Why is it that young girls, why is it that poltergeist activity centers around them? And they've never been in, you know, a lot of times they do say it's like somehow their emotional, their emotional seesaw that they're constantly on and all of these hormones and stuff. But, you know, obviously there's billions of teenage girls out there and they're not exhibiting this. So what else could be the key? What's the other factor? Well, this story kind of answers that question, and the answer is not a good one. Maria has this poltergeist activity kind of centering around her. She is being personally tormented by this force. So the rocks are flying around at everybody. It's knocking over everyone's personal stuff. The furniture, it doesn't matter who's sitting on it, it's going to go flying around the room. But with Maria, this invisible force would slap her right across the face. She would also complain of being bitten. 
and you would actually see bites and bruises on her body. She also was complaining that she could feel needles underneath her skin. In fact, at one point, one incident, because you're thinking, oh, whatever, dude, <laughs> one, one needle in my skin, I could do that. I would go to school. I'd go to school all day long. Big wussy. Not only did she have these needles appearing in her skin, at one point, one incident, she had 55 needles that had to be removed. 55 needles all in one ankle. That sounds like self-harm, right? When I was reading this, I go, nowadays, that if you just took that stuff, there are people who put needles in their skin. There's that story of that one woman who kept... I know people are going to throw up when I talk about this. I'll find it for the show notes, though. But that woman who kept picking at her scab on her leg or she like had self-harm issues and she was picking at her leg and she eventually pulled out an entire nerve ending and then they had to amputate her leg. That's real. I read it online. I read it online. I I didn't do that much digging on it, but I guess there's photos. I didn't look at the photos, right? I can imagine, and I'm about to eat spaghetti. I'm about to eat spaghetti for dinner, so I don't want to imagine it too closely. But you can self harm to the point that you lose body parts. So you think, well, maybe she's just outside of the rock. And even that, like a lot of poltergeist activities, the stories end when a certain person's removed from the house and a parapsychologist goes, oh, that's because they were the center of the poltergeist activity. They were the center of the turmoil or they were the cause of it, right? Not in a paranormal thing, but they were throwing rocks around the house. They were flipping over furniture and stuff like that. That's a lot of times the case when we catch people doing voices, like hearing voices in the wall and it turns out the girls that people were on the other side of the wall making the noises on purpose to fool paranormal investigators we do have stories in like this but remember this story's going over the course of five years this is going over the course of five years so it'd be a long time to keep up a fraud like that plus it doesn't seem like it's a particularly famous story i found about it in a Listverse article written by alan boyle Listverse is really good because they always got to come up with 10 stories and there's always at least one i've never heard of and i've never heard of this one and Listverse is really good about citing their sources too so i can just click on a link and read the book that they got it out of look at news articles they cited anyways nowadays you would think self-harm maybe right but there was also the time where she woke up with a cup over her mouth and she felt like something was trying to smother her in her sleep, trying to stop her from breathing. Fine, you can fake that too. Well, one day she was at school and her clothes started to smolder. Like her clothing was catching on fire. That I mean, you, you could fake that too. Or really cause it yourself, right? If she's committing self-harm, she could be causing that herself. But the more witnesses you have, the harder it is to pull off these type of stunts. And the fact that they're not all centered in the house where she could be constantly fooling people. Maybe she's putting the needles in her own foot, but considering for the past couple of months, rocks have been flying around the house. I think we can safely link it to that. So this has been going on at this point when her clothes starting to burn at the school. I'm sure she was excused from school that day. They're like, ah, oh, you can just go home. We'll send your homework home with a friend. This goes on for a year. At this point, we're one year into the phenomenon. And Maria goes to see a medium. She's like, listen, the exorcism didn't work. The things are getting personally bad for me. I'm almost caught on fire. I got needles under my skin. Something's trying to suffocate me in my sleep. I'm ready to look for an answer anywhere. So she goes to a medium, and this is terrifying. 
culmination of this story. She goes to the medium. She says, I'm being plagued by all of this stuff. The spirits attacking the house, throwing these rocks around. This has been going on for a year, but I've personally been singled out. I'm getting attacked. Something's trying to kill me. Doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter what time of day. Something's trying to kill me. And this medium says she knows why Maria is suffering so much. There is a dark spirit after her. After her specifically. The family's getting tormented just out of spite, right? The family is not the target for the spirit. It just happens to be in the way. The spirit is specifically gunning to torture Maria. And this spirit is going to torture you for the rest of your life. Move away. Start your own family. Get a good job. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what choices you make in life. This spirit will personally be following you. And it is going to continue to physically, emotionally, and spiritually cause you pain. Maria's like, what? why? What did I do, right? I'm an 11-year-old girl. I'm living at home. What could I have possibly have done to piss a spirit off this much? To piss off anybody this much, living or dead? What could I have done in my life to cause cut to deserve this? And the medium says, you're right. You didn't do anything to deserve it in this life. But in a past life, you were a witch. And you killed a man. You took a man's life. And he became a vengeful spirit. Now, why he waited until you were reincarnated into the body of this young girl? Who knows? But he waited. And through all that time, he waited until you were reincarnated. And then he made his move. Now, it's possible that the witch could have easily banished this vengeful spirit, right? But a young girl who has no knowledge of the dark arts, what's she going to do? This spirit that's so filled with hatred and revenge is after you because in a past life you killed him. And there is no way to get him to stop. He will not stop. He will keep coming after you. You obviously see the level of power that he's at right now. That is what hate has given him. That is what some sort of dark allegiance has empowered him with. He will not rest. Now, like I said, that happened a year in. Like I said, this story goes on for five years. And the torment never ceases. This spirit is constantly harassing Maria. And to a lesser extent, her family. I mean, throwing boulders around is pretty harsh. Flipping over furniture. But remember, most of this is targeting Maria until at the age of 16, Maria can't take it anymore. Maria has been told for the rest of her life that this spirit will torment her. So at age 16... She poisoned herself. After she died, 
all the poltergeist activity completely stopped. It's a fascinating story because it touches on so many things that we love about the paranormal. And first off, obviously a skeptical to go, well, yeah, she was causing all the stuff and she was committing the self-harm herself. So it would make sense that when she died, it stopped. That would be the skeptical answer. But from a paranormal point of view, we have a poltergeist, right? Which is a, it's a specific type of ghost or ghostly or paranormal activity, however you want to put it. It's quite rare. Most ghosts are just a sighting or even just a scent or a, the feeling of a presence. That's the majority of ghost sightings. Poltergeists are so rare, they actually have their own category. And most of the time, they are connected to a young woman. Sometimes a young man, but usually a young woman. That's where objects are flying around the air. You, you Think about the amount of energy it would take to do that, right? It would be an anomaly, even in the world of the paranormal. So we have a poltergeist. Then we have witchcraft. We have magic being brought into the story as well. And then the idea of reincarnation. So you have all of this interesting stuff kind of laid out in the story. What I find fascinating and ultimately tragic, and this is the way we're going to wrap this story up, is who's to say that her committing suicide stopped the activity? I mean, sure, that is specifically what the story said. But if this dark force could wait for her in between incarnations, it would have stopped this time. But when this young girl, when Maria is reincarnated once again, will the force come back after her? Did it make an effort to say, I'm going to get her the very next time she incarnates. And there, I don't believe people reincarnate instantly. That's my theory. I, I, I'm still kind of iffy on reincarnation all over. I do like the theory, but I think that it's not like you die at 10, 17 p.m. and the very next baby born, that's you. I do believe that if reincarnation is real, there would be time periods in between. Do I have any proof of that? No, <laughs> I mean, it's just a theory. I don't have any proof of that, but if he could wait in between times, right? Let's say there's a 60, and it probably varies between person. I believe that's where you would have an idea of penance or a purgatory, right? You don't reincarnate right away. It wouldn't, you don't reincarnate right away. There would be like a time period where your soul is in some sort of, again, purgatory or in some sort of learning state or trying to grow, whatever. I don't know. Again, it's just a theory, but if it could wait between the witch and Maria, who's to say that when Maria is reincarnated at some point, that the spirit's just not going to start the activity up again? It is interesting that it waited till she was 11. Like, what is the, what's the symbolism of that? Did it need her hormonal energy to feed off of? Do the poltergeist needs, and really, and that goes to the question, we don't know why poltergeists tend to fixate on that particular age group, but maybe it does have something to do with who they were in past lives. Because we don't see the majority of young girls when they go through puberty, rocks aren't flying around the house. If they did, then it would just be a natural part of the world. It's rare. It's exceedingly rare. But does it, some, does it have something to do with the energy that they're emitting and this spirit just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting? And once she is giving off this psychic energy that it can feed off of, that's when it attacks. And if it attacked her back in Brazil, who's to say when she gets reincarnated in the middle of China as some farmer's daughter that it's just not going to start it up again? 
where she's reincarnated as a baby in the Pacific Northwest. Who's to say it's not going to start up then? And this girl forever, for all of eternity, or at least as long as the spirit can retain some sort of energy. We do believe that spirits bound to Earth start to lose energy at a certain point. But again, that's standard ghost lore. It's a theory. We don't even know if that's true. That doesn't calculate poltergeist activity. I mean, she may spin not just this lifetime of Maria, these five years under this torment, this may be something that just continues to happen to her until like the heat death of the universe or something like that. She may, after millions of reincarnations, end up the daughter of a captain aboard the starship Frisco floating out somewhere near the Pleiades star system. Little baby born in deep space. And there's just a poltergeist floating around on a battleship. Floating around on this giant high-tech vehicle. Just waiting for this little, little girl to turn 11. And then he can start throwing hurling boulders around this spaceship. Like, will she ever be free of the curse? Is the question. And really, based on just this short story, no. I would say no. It, listen, it's tragic that she killed herself. And I can understand her being so hopeless thinking this is never going to end. And what's interesting, too, is it could have been a standard poltergeist. And the medium was a fraud, right? Mediums are... A lot of times they just make stuff up. And the poltergeist activity may have been petered out as she moved past puberty, which is how poltergeist activity normally works. Right, so then you have that tragic ending as well. The medium may have just been trying to earn a quick buck and made the story up. And that the girl's like 16, she's like, what's the point of going on? This is going to happen the rest of my life. And she kills herself. Or the medium could have been right. And it was going to keep going on as long as she was alive. And, and when she reincarnates, it's going to happen again. And again, next life. And again, the next life. Terrifying story. Terrifying story. Imagine how much hate you would have to have in your heart to hunt someone down through multiple lifetimes. Right? This witch did something, so now you're tormenting. You're trying to suffocate an 11-year-old girl while she's sleeping. You're shoving metal pins, metal needles into her skin. Think about the hate you would have to have in your heart. And if you can't imagine that level of hate and that level of absolute revenge, absolute hatred, right? I mean, that is just a level beyond what I think most people could even understand. That's the difference between you dying and your soul either going to the afterlife or you dying and becoming a ghost. That, that's what would happen to most people. But to become a poltergeist, to become a spirit of vengeance requires a level of pure insane hatred that most humans will never understand. But when this witch killed this man, he felt that level of just raw, uncontrollable hate. He despises her so much he will use all of that hatred, all of that loathing, to power himself lifetime after lifetime after lifetime to torture her physically, mentally, spiritually. Until the end of time. A young girl paying the price for a crime she doesn't even remember committing. But her victim does. And he will never forget. And he will never ever forgive.
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.